Hi everyone and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next free online business assessment, enabling you to pinpoint what your business needs you to fix next. Business tips to help you level up and scale up. Hi everyone, I'm Simon of Sterling Coaching and welcome to this podcast episode in which I'm joined by Dr. Heather Williamson, who is an executive coach from Virginia in the US. Welcome to today's podcast, Heather. Thank you, Simon. I so appreciate being able to to speak with your audience. Tell them a little bit about you. Give us a little bit of a backstory or a little bit more uh, of a history about you and what it is you do. Well, I got into coaching um, really because I had the experience of working for a large organization and we had the opportunity as a sales team to participate in an outward bound program. Mm -hmm. And part of that was the climbing poles and jumping off ropes, those and doing ropes courses. And then the small group work was when they brought in an industrial organizational psychologist to facilitate more of that small team, you know, learning how to communicate yeah. better. And, and that part, I really, really loved. I, I did the, the climbing off the, the poles and jumping off and doing the reps courses, but that was not what I really enjoyed. No, so I like no. the small group work. And so I ended up leaving the company and going back to school to get my PhD in social psychology, psychology with a focus in leadership. Um, because I come from a, a background of large organizations. And so I really focused on um, really developing better leaders and okay. not having jerk bosses. Yeah, yeah. So how, <laughs> how do you think your perspective changed then going back to school, as you say, and getting that, uh, yeah, getting that doctorate? You know, did, it, did it change the way you look at things at all? Well, I was what you would consider a non-traditional student because I was in my early 30s when I went back to school. Sure. Not my 20s. So I, I think I had a very good appreciation of education and really what it took to focus and get what you needed to get done. Um, mm. I also had a different perspective of questioning things. And I yep. think that's where my psychology comes into place because I always wonder why people do what they do. Yeah, yeah, and you know, get that, find out that motivation behind behavior, and so I think when I went back to school, I that was really a large part in focusing on learning everything I could possibly learn, taking advantage of every opportunity that the university had, right. so I can be better prepared. Yeah, and did you do that in in Virginia, or did you go somewhere out of state to do it? I did that in Virginia. And, um, and then I also worked for them part-time as well um, through grad school oh, and, right. and then ended up working for them full-time for a few years. Yeah, good. And now you're an executive coach and you've been doing that for how long? 13 and a half years. Yeah, wow. Congratulations. That's a, that's a, that's, that's a marathon of coaching as I, as I know. So we're well done <laughs> on getting that far. And what kind of businesses you know do you work with you know is it is it still you know going back to those corporate type businesses is it medium-sized businesses leaders managers just tell us a little bit about the type of people you work with and the type of businesses actually the type of businesses i work with range from small business owners entrepreneurs 
who have employees, I really focus on those that have employees. Right. And through mid to large size organizations. Um, I think my area of expertise is really getting that leader, that boss to be able to get what they need out of their employees. Yeah. Pretty much. So your employees are doing what you pay them to do. Yeah. Yeah. Which strange enough, we very often take for granted, don't we? I work with lots of business owners and in my own businesses, you expect that, don't you? You you employ people, you pay them, you expect them to do the role and the duties that you've employed them. But it's so hard to get people to do that. It is. So hard. Yeah. And then bosses also struggle with holding employees accountable. You know, they yes. don't know how to do it. They just let them slide. Yeah. yeah, they can't understand it, can they? And, you know, no. we, we see that all the time. And, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to see the behavior side of that. And I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit a little bit later on. So let's talk about what we're drinking today. Now, you mentioned you've got peach tea. Now, for the listeners, <laughs> don't get too upset that we're, we're talking about peach tea because we are going to talk about coffee as well. Uh, but before we talk about the coffee uh, and your where you drink coffee in the morning, etc. Just tell us a little bit about the peach tea that you've got. Um, well, just to preface, I drink coffee in the morning. Typically, that's it. And then throughout the rest of the day, then yeah. I sometimes like a flavored tea instead okay. of the instead of regular, you know, black tea. So yeah. my my choice for these last few months have been a peach tea. <laughs> I, 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 you're the first peach tea drinker we've had on this podcast so far. And I'm sure we might have somebody in the future, but I can't imagine uh, peach being a particularly strong flavor in tea. You know, it just doesn't seem to, to go, you know, I, you know, yeah. I have ginger, lemon and ginger tea uh, and other mm-hmm. things, but I, I, peach just doesn't seem to make sense to me. And this is a cold tea, not a hot tea. Mm, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. it's interesting because I drink it. I drink it the way around. So I start my day with a honey and lemon, right, and a lemon and ginger tea to get the digestive system going. Honey and lemon to get the voice and the vocal cords going because normally I'm going to be talking all day. And then as the day goes on, and I just need to keep going and I need the stamina, then I tend to turn to the coffee. So the, <laughs> the coffee gets stronger as the day goes on, and I'm, I've got a double espresso coffee which. As, as you said earlier on, before we hit the recording, he's probably going to help me uh, and walk away with me a little bit. So, so exactly. tell us a little bit about the coffee. Tell us about the coffee that you drink in, in those first few cups. So the, the brand that I really like is the Gavalia coffee. Okay. And it is just a house blend. I was, we were talking earlier and I'm, I don't like the real strong coffees, but this is a medium, medium blend and I yeah. kind of enjoy it. It gets it gives me the caffeine I need in the morning to get going. Yeah. Otherwise, um, I'm not really going to make a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it's interesting as we've been talking to all these people, the house blends, and some people call them a city roast as well. I mean, that's a term that mm-hmm. I've not really heard of here, but you know, so many people have mentioned city roast. It tends to be that middle ground that people find easy to drink during the day, and the right. darker roasts tend to be the ones that people have as on a special occasion or with a meal. And I don't know listeners, if you agree with that, but um, yeah, the, yeah, I have a blonde roast, which is normally my um, coffee of the day from Starbucks. And, and that like the house roast is very much, you know, middle of the road. Mm-hmm. Quite happy with that. Right. So, ha- so how do you drink your coffee? Is it black with cream, sugar? 
two sugars and you're probably going to be appalled. Yeah, but yeah. I I like the um the fake creamer. <laughs> oh, okay. That's unusual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my coffee drinkers, connoisseurs are just going to be appalled at that. But I I just find that if you put regular milk or cream in a coffee, it just cools it down too much for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it used to be really popular. I mean, I can remember, you know, if you had coffee anywhere, you always had that, you know, that substitute creamer, definitely. And for that reason, <laughs> for that reason, it doesn't go cold, does it? And I'm always careful when I go out for a coffee, you know, I either take my thermos flask to keep it warm uh, right. or I go for black coffee. Because if you have a latte or something out, uh, it goes cold so quick. And especially if you're using like fat-free milk or like 1%, then you got to, I got to have a certain color. <laughs> right. Okay. Kind of like khaki color. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I'm with you on that one. That makes sense. Yeah. You wouldn't get on with my wife at all. She's the opposite. You know, she, she's a tea drinker and she has to show it the tea bag from the other side of the room and then, you know, give it a good dashing of milk and, oh, just looks awful. <laughs> So, so you've been um, in coaching for a while, Heather, and we've seen a lot of changes. You know, um, you know, I certainly know, you know, if you've been in coaching 13 and a half years, you know, you would have seen the banking crisis. There's been some, you know, quite a few roller coaster rides in, in, in our years of, of coaching, particularly latterly with the pandemic. What's been the, the most significant thing or the latest thing that you've worked on in your own business? So what I've, I mean, I, like other business owners, had have to pivot. I mean, it was just, you have to pivot. Otherwise, I would not be in business. Yeah, yeah. And for me, it was the opportunities for networking were gone. Okay, yeah. You know, here in the States. And, yeah. I, and so basically, I still have to be able to get my message out. And so I ended up having to figure out... Um, you know, what I could do differently. And it actually was a friend of mine who is a, um, uh, he moved from the States and now he's living down in South America and he had to figure out what he did differently. And so he called me up one day and he's like, Heather, he goes, I think you need to do um, YouTube videos on leadership tips. Really? Okay. And so I was thinking, well, I knew nothing about YouTube really. You know, mm. you see stuff on, on, the computer every once in a while, but I really wasn't a YouTuber. Yep. And so I ended up actually using him and he volunteered to be a mentor and he would, you know, give me advice. I, I, once I commit to something, I'm, I'm a go-getter. So I yeah. created the YouTube channel and I started posting weekly videos on leadership tips. Right. Um, yeah. Ranging from, you know, time management to holding employees accountable to, um, delegating and learning how to empower employees. So, you know, I had to do something different and I started this actually last September. Right. So I'm still doing it. Yeah. And, and YouTube is one of those channels that, yeah, I'm a big social media fan. I've, I've used social media to fill webinars and coaching programs for yeah, a long, long while, but YouTube, whilst I post on YouTube, I never mm -hmm. have any traction on YouTube and it's I, I use youtube all the time if i've got something that's broken you know i've got a, a phoenix palm in the garden downstairs and the frost has got it and i'm going to be going on youtube tonight to find out how to fix it because somebody on youtube right. will have a video of how to trim and how to fertilize a, a phoenix palm 
So I go to it as a resource, but I don't use it as a resource. What was the the learning process like to get to grips with that then? Because that for me would be a real steep learning curve. I kind of, I think I had the anticipation because I'm on LinkedIn. And so mm. obviously when I do the videos weekly, I post them on LinkedIn and um, some other social media yep. avenues, outlets that are out there. But I really, because I'm not technologically savvy yep. at all. And it was a huge learning curve and learning how to, um, you know, create a message that is going to resonate with others. So I go back and I do research and find out what are the um, most watched videos that I do. And I try to focus on those topics because those are the ones that are really um, needed by the whoever the viewer yeah. is. And I like the fact that it is not limited geographically to the state of Virginia. Yeah. So it's anybody who's on YouTube. So, you know, I think doing that research is, is really, really useful. And I'm sure the listeners will, will take value from that. But, you know, I can feel myself asking the question. I'm sure the listeners are asking the question as well. You know, we, we put videos up. How do you get people to come and watch them? You know, how, how, what's your, I can just see your dog going by in the background there. Viewers, <laughs> you can't see it on the video, but my dog started barking downstairs just as Heather's dog walked across the glass door behind her. So our dogs must be seeing each other. So how, how do you get the audience to come? Because, you know, that for me has always been a struggle. And there might be coaches and consultants on here as well that are struggling with that, as well as business owners. How do you get that audience? How do you attract people to it? Because I see people who have incredible audiences. And I think, how? Well, I think the people that have huge audiences are that are easy to um, have their audiences grow like wildfire are ones yeah. who have some kind of um, huge following with regard to either they're a movie personality or a musician. You know, they've got a brand, they've got a name. And so yeah. people will automatically follow that, follow them. Okay. I think for me, it's making sure, and there are um, uh, uh, programs within YouTube that you can actually find out what titles work with okay. regard to posting. And they yeah. always say, you know, your thumbnail needs to be a great thumbnail uh, to grab people's attention. Yeah. But I, it also, using words that actual people like business owners are saying. Yeah. And so I know one of the research tools that I use is if I've got an idea, then I'll type it in, in Google. And then you can get a search of what words are actually being asked. And they come up as phrases, you know, Google, like I could yeah. put in uh, employee trust and then it will finish that sentence. And it shows you what people are searching for. And that helps me create, whether it's like a seven minute training or a title, it kind of gives me some focus of where to go. But yeah. even though people don't sub subscribe, you know, it takes a lot for someone to subscribe to a channel, yeah. but my viewership has grown monthly since Great. September. So, so what you're saying then, um, just to make sure I've got this right, cause I'm just scribbling down. Yeah. A bit like, you know, if you want to learn how to do more on LinkedIn, yeah, there are LinkedIn trainings. There are actually uh, tips of how to do the research, how to find things. There are tools like that in YouTube 
as well. Not not just third party YouTube videos, but actually YouTube resources to help you get the best from YouTube. Right. So you could type okay. in on YouTube. You know, you mentioned LinkedIn. So yeah. um, you could type in how do I um, post on LinkedIn, or how do yeah. I put or on LinkedIn? How do I? And then it will finish your sentences with three or four other questions that other people are asking. And so that could give you three or four more ideas on getting more specific, you know, kind of driving down deeper yeah. of ideas for topics. Yeah. And how, how's the, the, you know, you say there that you've had to pivot. How has the shift been to the way in which you've coached? And because you know, I know for me, uh, actually, you know, I've been trying to get a lot of my one-to-one clients into, you know, face-to-face from face-to-face into Zoom calls uh, right. for a number of years. And some have been very resistant and they've kicked back. They didn't have any choice this time. Uh, and certainly for me, you know, I've now gone from probably 50% of my coaching face-to-face uh, before to now only probably about 10% of it being face-to-face and the rest of it's on Zoom. How's that shift been for you of the way that you've coached? So m- the bulk of or the bulk of my clients have all been face-to-face. Yep. And I would say it would probably was 95%. Yeah. Oh, right. And yes. And that's what they like. They want to see me face to face coming in to my organization and we'll work, you know, one-on-one together. Yeah. Yes. Now the switch has moved totally to zoom or teams or, you know, whatever platform the company has. The teams are available. Yep. Yes. (laughs) And it has it has been a, a huge transition, and I, and I hear from um, you know clients, past clients, they are getting zoomed out. I mean, the the technology, yeah. you know, always being on camera like that, yeah. moving from one meeting to another, that I think it could be a challenge with regard to you know keeping that energy level up, um, yeah, keeping yeah. people yeah. engaged. So it's in one on one coaching, you you've always got to remove all distractions and make sure they're in a place where they don't have any distractions as well you're not in a in a conference room you know what i mean yeah you're at their site yeah so you've made this pivot you've made use of youtube uh and you know work with this guy in in south america um how has it been since then what what kind of difference has that pivot what kind of difference has youtube made then how's it been since then um, I think it's still, for me, it is still in that, you know, we're still growing. Yeah. So with regard to viewers and, um, you know, I'm always constantly tweaking, I'm adding content and also now adding information about what I do in the description on okay. every video. So right. if somebody wow. does want to reach out to me, I give them multiple ways to do it. Yeah. And um, and having started done, having doing that, uh, my book sales have increased because I always include that in there. Yeah, yeah. And so it is moving in a positive direction, which is nice. Yeah. But it's yeah. still because of, you know, where we are in this world these days, it's still slower than what I, I prefer. I would yeah. like. And that was a lovely transition into the book promotion, by the way. So we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that now. So you, you've got your book, uh, which you showed me earlier on, Magnetic Trust. Right. Just just tell the listeners 
where that came from and, and why you've written the book. Because I think, you know, it's great that we, you know, and you know, people, because this is audio, can't see the bookcase behind me. I don't read books. I listen to books and I get them for reference. Mm-hmm. But people very often, for me, want to know why. Where did the book come from before mm-hmm. they actually understand how the content will help them. So tell the listeners a little bit about where the books come from. Well, the book actually came from uh, originally when I started, this is for my dissertation. And my dissertation looked at uh, employee trust from a supervisor, from a employee's perspective uh, yep. from supervisor and whether you trusted your supervisor or not. And if you didn't, did that make you want to leave the organization? So I looked at intent to leave. Okay. Because turnover would have taken me a whole nother year to get turnover data from a company and I, mm-hmm. I was done. Yep. And uh, so I trust has always been very important. And then what really was the stimulus, because I mean, obviously I had the dissertation for, um, I've, oh gosh, it's been 14 years since I got my dissertation. Okay. And so Within that time frame, I had a boss who was horrible. He had he played favorites with his employees. Oh. He, uh, whether it came to pay raises or you know delegating responsibilities, yeah. um, he was very selective in who he communicated with. And through that experience, I just was like, I'm going to write this book on magnetic trust because no one should have a jerk boss. Mm. I mean, it is yeah. like my purpose to, you know, coach somebody on not being a jerk boss to their employees. Yeah. So that's kind of where it came from. So, so the book is, is, is it, does it cover both sides of the story? Does it cover the people who shouldn't be a jerk boss? And does it cover the people who don't want a jerk boss and how to deal with it? Or is it, is it just one side, you know, how, how does it fit for the listeners? Because yeah, there might be some people on here who uh, are the boss and there might be some people who think I've got one of those bosses. So this is actually written from, for the perspective of the boss. Okay. So on yep. from a boss, you know, how he can build employee trust with his employees. Yep. So the, the title of the book is Magnetic Trust, How Great Leaders Keep Top Performers and Get Extraordinary Results. So I, I have the focus from the leader. Yeah. And, and I have different chapters. I came up with eight rules that will build trust, which is came from my dissertation and my own personal experience of okay. um, jerk bosses. Yeah. But for example, like rule one would to be authentic, you know, don't be fake with your people. Uh, rule two yeah. is to be predictable. And rule oh, three yeah. is to, yeah, because you can't have one rule for one person and another rule for somebody yeah. else. Okay. I understand. Yeah you know, yep. when you are setting policies. Yeah. And um, rule three is be transparent. Rule four is to e- exhibit ethics. Yep. And rule five is communicate, which is always a challenge within organizations, communication and making sure that everybody's getting the same message. Yeah. And then rule six is own it, don't blame it. <laughs> rule... That's, that's, that's a good one to uh, try and live by, isn't it, for all of us? I yes, think. yes, yes. Stop taking credit for the good stuff and not the bad, yep. um, which a lot of yep. people will do. Yeah, yeah. And then rule seven is to show competence. And then rule eight is don't play favorites. And right. so, you know, this, the, each rule was 
shared through the experience of another executive in another industry. So there's multiple industries that share how they implement each of the rules. So I tried to provide value. Yeah. And it's interesting to me, I've, I've been talking to my clients over the last few weeks, two or three of them about the issue of communications. And one guy, yeah. their, their business has grown exceptionally well in the last 15 months. And they said, oh, we don't have a problem with communication. So I tell you, you're having a, you've got a problem with communications. So the HR lady did a, a staff survey of all the team. And there's about 160 people in this business. Mm-hmm. And every single one that came back listed communications as the number one problem. Yeah. And he stood there and he said, I'm shocked. I said, right. Really? You're shocked? Really? Um, so thinking about, and I want to ask you where we can get a copy of this book, because I, you know, I want to get a couple of copies of this, because I've got two people who need to read this right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> trust me. And at the moment, the only book I've even given them a chance to was uh, – Ken Blanchard has got a book, What Great yeah. Leaders Know and Do, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, you know, one of my sort of go-to books for that kind of thing. So I definitely need to get a copy of yours as, as an alternative to that. But what would you say to the listeners who are a boss? What one thing can they do right now where they could perhaps either be aware of themselves or do something differently to stop being any part of that jerk boss? I think the first thing that people, that bosses need to understand is that your people are your most important asset in your company. And that is not, I think, a common thought with a lot of leaders. I mean, they're so focused on revenue and profit sharing and, you know, the product and getting it out that they don't realize their number one asset are their employees. And so once you recognize that and you try to create that culture of, are, what kind of environment do my employees want to work in and yeah. who do they want to work for? You know, it comes back to, you know, that honesty you mm. you in communication. So you've got to communicate what expectations are. I mean, people, you shouldn't yeah. say, Hey, go get that task done, but not have any expectations on how you want it done. What parameters, even the, when you want it, you know, give it to me as soon as possible. doesn't count. No. And don't, (laughs) don't you find that? And I get this thrown back at me all the time. Well, they, you know, I employ them to do the job. They should know what the expectations are. They should know that I want it doing well. They should know that there seems to be this presumption that, you know, I always, you know, you have that phrase assume, you know, it makes an Mm -hmm. ass out of you and me. And it really does. It's so true that because bosses sit there, they give out these tasks, they give out these duties, yet they they don't seem to set those expectations. And they say, I'm not employing children. I'm employing people on high wages, good money. They should know better. What would you say to people who give that as a reply back? I would say that, yes, you do employ, you know, people with high salaries and you should have expectations but your people have expectations of you and they want to be clear on what it is that you want from them. And so, yeah, you need to take that extra time to clearly communicate what it is, you know, where, when it comes to the vision, the, the team goals, the company goals, they need to be clear on what their number one priority 
are. And in a lot of times it's a task of you need to get all this done, but they don't know what they should focus on. Yeah, the yeah. boss just assumes, well, they should know what is the most important. No, they shouldn't. Yeah. 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 And I love, and I think listeners, you know, that's the a particular golden nugget right there, you know, actually understand what the expectations of you are. And mm-hmm. I think that goes both ways, doesn't it? I think that goes for the for the managers, the supervisors, and you know every member of the team, but particularly for the boss. You know how yeah. how many of us, you know, and I include myself in that. You know, I've been a boss for over twenty years. How many of us actually look and think, what are the expectations of us? It's right. very much a one way stream, and that's that lack of communication. Is communication is two way, exactly, you know, isn't it? So yeah, I love that. Yeah. So very quickly, before you tell us where we can get a hands-on uh, magnetic trust, and if I say magnetic trust enough times, perhaps listeners will remember the title. Um, what would you say to those people who perhaps need to manage a boss that they're not happy with at the moment? Yeah, is there is there something that you would impart to them, something that they can take away from from this that they can do something with? So hopefully that employee is having one-on-ones with their boss. I certainly Mm. hope so. Whether it's. I doubt um, it very much. Yeah. Yeah. um, Well, at least, you know, they should be having a yearly review. I'm, I am not a proponent of having a one-time yearly review where at the end of the year, you find out how poorly you did. And then, you know, sorry, you don't get, you know, a big raise because you didn't meet X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, I'm a big proponent of staying in, in touch with your people. So if, you ha- if you're managing a team, uh, then that should be once every other week. At least yep. now, since a lot of people are working remotely, I mean, you need to make more of an effort on staying on top of you know, what your team yeah. is doing. Yeah. And, but you should be having weekly one-on-ones at least every other week, yeah. minimum. Yeah. And during those one-on-ones is a time where you can say, hey, Bob, um, I'm really struggling in this area because I don't really know what that number one priority is for me, or I'm not clear on what expectation you have with regarding to this project. Um, I think you have to be open-minded to ask for feedback. I mean, I'm yeah. a big proponent of at the end of every one-on-one you have, then you should be asking if you're the boss, um, what can I be doing to help you be better at your job? But the, and, the employee has to has to make an effort. Yeah. And I think I, I think you, you've hit on a very important point there, because I know a lot of people um, recently are using the distance between people as a reason to increase the contact. But mm-hmm. a lot of people are doing the opposite and a lot of people yeah. are avoiding it all there. They seem to think that they've got to keep things on point and let's not talk about things that aren't on the agenda. And you know, I don't want to ask for an extra one-to-one. You know, we've, we've already had two meetings this week. I don't want to ask for a one-to-one because I've got an issue. So listeners, you know, if, you, if you're an employee or a team member that has a boss, yeah, I think that's very important. Reach out and get those one-to-ones, definitely. So Heather, tell us, where can we get our hands on the book and how can people connect with, with you? Well, the book is on Amazon. So you yep. can order it there. It's, you can look under my name, Dr. Heather Williamson. And it should come up and it probably comes up under magnetic trust as well. Um, And then you can also reach me through my YouTube channel, which is Dr. Heather Williamson. And you can, my website is uh, transformationgroupllc.com. 
or you can contact me directly at Dr. Heather at transformationgroupllc.com. And you mentioned LinkedIn as well. So obviously oh, you're yeah, using I'm on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah, mm-hmm. great. So the name of the book is Magnetic Trust. Dr. Heather Williamson is what you need to look out for listeners on, on Amazon. Search for that on YouTube. Connect with uh, Heather on LinkedIn as well. And uh, the website again was? TransformationGroupLLC.com. TransformationGroupLLC.com. Great. Correct. So take some time. I think if anybody, if, if anybody is either growing and aspiring to be a manager or leader, or you actually are in that position, it is your duty, anybody listening to this, to become a better leader and a better manager in business. Yeah, it's the one thing that I'm really passionate about that a lot of leaders seem to send everybody else on training. It's a bit like the Outward Bound course. I remember being sent on those courses. Yeah. Um, but strangely enough, None of the board, none of the executives were there with me. They were all very good at sending you off, but they were never there. Just the sales team. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So I think it's really important for anybody listening to this is to develop your skills. And trust is such a big thing. I know uh, Patrick Lencioni talks about it in his five dysfunctions of a team. You know, you need to build trust. It's that foundation layer, isn't it, to that? that hierarchy of needs, whatever, whether it's yes. Maslow hierarchy, whatever it is, you need mm-hmm. to build trust. So uh, magnetic trust sounds intriguing. So I'm definitely going to go out there. Is it hardback, softback? I, I, so, you know? it's, it's paperback, paperback and yes. And it's on Kindle as well. Oh, oh, right. Is it? Oh, well, that's, that's yeah. me then. So I'll go for the Kindle version all day long <laughs> for me, but I'll definitely buy the, the, the paper copy for the, uh, for, for the guests and for the, uh, the clients. So, I've asked you lots of questions about what people can take away, but if you could give people one thing, one lesson, one tip, which they could do something with today, those of us that have still got a day left or tomorrow, what would be the thing that you would share that they can do something with? Um, um, I would probably say, and I'm just basing it on just this past year and a half, and that Mm. is to be flexible. And when it comes to flexibility, it's flexibility in being open to new ideas and new ways of doing things. And that's with yourself and promoting that within your team. Learn how to learn how to be creative. Yeah. And it's surprising, isn't it? I mean, I'm sure, you know, um, you've probably covered this in your in your PhD, but in behavior, you have a human race has existed because of our way in which we are flexible we adapt we evolve we right. adapt so well to different environments we we take control of our environments yet when it comes to business we seem so bad at it sometimes you know yeah. I, I know so many businesses that have just died on their feet because they won't change they won't do it differently right to what they've already done you know you know um blockbuster you know and, and netflix you know you look at netflix they're continually adapting changing making their own films making their own series blockbuster just dvds and videos and that's it yeah and look what happened to them it's uh you know, it's it's such a shame but more people aren't flexible definitely right change is what makes us you know the best that we can be yeah so yeah thank you great great tip and i think you've given us some good things there about youtube i didn't realize there was tools in youtube that we could use You've helped us think about expectations and given us some tips on how to get an audience. 
and what our expectations should be of us as a boss as well. I think that's great. Uh, final question then before we, we wrap it up, uh, Heather. If you could have your next coffee, your house blend, in a dream location, tell us what that dream location would be and perhaps describe it for the listeners. What would be special about it? So my dream location is Tuscany, Italy. So oh. if I was, you know, had the opportunity to go back and Italy opens up their borders again, yep. <laughs> my dream location would be sitting on a, at a villa yep. overlooking a vineyard and just drinking uh, a nice cup of coffee. Yeah, well, hopefully my wife won't listen to this podcast episode <laughs> because... We've actually had a, we're supposed to have gone to a wedding in Tuscany last August. Yeah. It was then postponed to this August. This August has been cancelled and it's been postponed to next August now in Tuscany. Uh, yeah. we've, we've been to Italy. We've never been to Tuscany, but I'm a big uh, Andrea Bocelli fan. Oh, uh, absolutely. From, from Tuscany. So my dream would be to sip coffee whilst listening to Andrea Bocelli in Tuscany singing live that would that oh. would kill it for me all day long that would be me done okay i think i just changed mine to add <laughs> to in there. Yeah. Uh, i don't know if you've ever seen if you've ever seen him live i've seen him live a couple of times and uh yeah what an amazing voice and amazing character as well no i think it was was it last july 4th he did a video um he did. And I saw that yeah which was outside which of was, the cathedral and yes. yeah i know the one you mean yeah it was goosebump yeah yeah it was incredible yes. that was yeah uh, yeah his son as well is really good oh really yeah oh yeah, yeah he was yeah in the video yeah 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 but he's he's good on his own as well so yeah so there mm -hmm. we go yeah we've both <laughs> got the same dream we'll go to tuscany have a cup of coffee meet up and listen to andrea bocelli uh serenade and uh sing and uh, do whatever he does in tuscany as he does best so that'd be great well heather <laughs> it's been an absolute blast you've given us some great things You've certainly intrigued me into having another look at YouTube. I'd almost discounted YouTube from the point of view of mine as a, as a coach, uh, as a way of moving my business forward. So I'm going to have a look at that and see what tools are out there and perhaps get the team doing a bit more work on that. Uh, you've, you've given us some great tips and I really do appreciate you giving your time. And uh, yeah, listeners, go and grab that book, Magnetic Trust. Dr. Heather Williamson, get your hands on a copy and connect with uh, Heather wherever you can. Thank you very much for giving up your time. Thank you so much, Simon. I really enjoyed our time together. And listeners, as you know, this is part of my mission to help businesses, coaches and consultants around the globe be better aware. And I know we've done that today. We've got lots of awareness today from Heather. Better educated, certainly. And we've got even more education we can take from getting a copy of Magnetic Trust as well. And of course, we have talked about coffee. We touched a little bit on peach tea uh, as, as well. And perhaps here in the UK, we might get some warm weather. It's been a horrible, cold <laughs> April. And who knows, we might get some warm weather where we can have a cold tea as well. Thank you very much for being uh, on the podcast, listeners. And I look forward to having you on the next one. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.